0: So how does he speak? When the Lord commands us to hear him, let's see if we can point out some of the ways that he speaks. Um, I am going to testify as powerfully as I can to every one of you, no matter how many years you've been receiving revelation. I think it would probably be true of anyone on earth that God is speaking more than you recognize. He is speaking to you more than you recognize. And the sooner we start to recognize what is coming from him and being grateful for it, acknowledging it, we open the door for more and more revelation to come. Think about it. If you had a friend who kept talking to you, and you ignored them, would you expect the friend to keep talking? Now, luckily, he does. But what if the friend were talking to you, and you turned and said, oh, wait, you you just said something to me, what did you say? What would you expect the friend to then do? The same thing happens when you finally turn to Heavenly Father saying, oh, you've been speaking to me. I haven't been hearing it, but now I'm listening. As a pattern, do you remember in 3 Nephi when Jesus descends? Before he descends, they hear a voice. Three times they hear a voice. And they don't hear it. They hear it, but they don't hear it. Do you remember what they had to do to finally hear it the third time? There's an odd phrase in the Book of Mormon. Do you remember what they had to do? They had to open their ears. So go ahead and close them. That's an interesting phrase, open their ears. And I think the idea here is that it's a spiritual acknowledgement that I'm not hearing it, am I? He's speaking and I'm not acknowledging it. That ear I'm going to acknowledge. I'm gonna hear. So how does he speak? Let's start in the Doctrine and Covenants. Now, you can imagine the Lord had a major challenge coming out of the apostasy. How many people correctly understood Revelation and how Revelation happens coming out of the apostasy? Major challenge the Lord has, right? The Lord has to teach this inexperienced group of people how to receive revelation. So there's a lot of help in those early sections of the Doctrine and Covenants. Let's start in section two. Now, I'm going to put the references up here because I would encourage you to make this a lifelong list, to spend the rest of your life adding to this list. Every time you read the scriptures and you acknowledge, right there is another way Heavenly Father speaks that I haven't acknowledged. Add it to the list. So if I don't put a book, understand that it's in the Doctrine and Covenants. So let's start in section 8, verse 2. He tells us very early on. Now, the setting here is Oliver wants to translate. So let me tell you how the Spirit works. Section 8, verse 2. Anyone want to read? How do we receive revelation? Yea,
1: because I will tell you in your mind and in your heart by the Holy Ghost.
0: Okay, so from the very beginning, the Lord acknowledges two ways of revelation, two forms. Number one, I will tell you in your heart. We're going to talk about that first. I know he says mind first, but I'm going to tell you in your heart. And secondly, I will speak to your mind. I'm going to take this from Elder Scott. Elder Scott suggested that revelation to the mind is specific information being conveyed. When he speaks and you need to know something, he needs to warn you about a danger. He needs to help you make a decision. When information is shared, direction is given. It is revelation to the mind. but let me suggest there's a whole other form of revelation. Let me give you an example before I write it. Um, My wife and I have 10 children. The most common question I've been asked in my adult years is where's mom? I get that question every day and not from the little ones, from the big ones. I had a son who lived with us until he was 19. He would come in from the backyard, 19-year-old, and he would say, where's mom? And I'd say, she's upstairs in our bedroom. Now, did he run upstairs and go to our bedroom? He didn't. He just made a sandwich. Now, why'd he ask? Tell me why he asked. Where's mom? What are they really asking? I just need to know She's here. Do you just need Heavenly Father to sometimes be with you? Maybe the most common form of revelation isn't direction, but just being with Him. May I suggest that revelations to my heart is simply that. God with us. I just need a manifestation of Heavenly Father with me. Where's mom? She's upstairs. Okay, fine. Now, how many times do you just need to say, Heavenly Father, are you really there? As my wife was being wheeled into the operating room, she had nine normal deliveries, and the 10th one came via C-section, terrified her. As she was being wheeled into the operating room, she sang, Heavenly Father, are you really there? Does she need revelation to her mind at that moment? She doesn't. What does she need? Could you just be with me? Could I feel you? Could you manifest that you're there in this moment? May I suggest that that is a whole realm of revelation we often don't count as revelation. Far too often, we count direct instruction, he told me what to do as revelation. But I would suggest I don't need this as much as I need this. Especially where agency's concerned, right? Does he really want to tell me, how much does he want to tell me versus how much does he simply want to be with me? So let's see if we can make a list of all of the forms of revelation that come from simply Heavenly Father being with me? What would happen in my life if he just sat down beside me? Let's make that list today. The next week, we'll make this list, because I do need direction. There are decisions I need divine help with, but let's make this list first. How does God manifest himself simply by being with me? All right, so let's go to Doctrine and Covenants section 11, verse 12. Again, early on in the Doctrine and Covenants, Hiram Smith, and I love this one because the Lord just kind of taps him on the head and said, okay, guys, this is, my, this is my spirit. I love the ending of the verse because he ends it with, okay, hey, this is my spirit, as if to point out, are you paying attention? So tell me what he points out is revelation. Anyone want to read? Section 11, verse 12. Taylor. So if Heavenly Father were sitting next to me, what would the influence that came from him cause me to do? If that were the only thing on the board, how often do you receive revelation? How often would you say you receive revelation? Measuring simply by the number of times you feel a desire to be better. I wanna be better. I wanna do good. Now, how many times have you gone to church and gone home disappointed that you didn't learn anything? but you went home wanting to be a better person. Did he speak to you at church that day? Mm -hmm. See how we discount that as revelation? And I love, what's the last thing he says in verse 12? Come on, guys, are you paying attention? This is my spirit. A desire to do good is a manifestation that God has been with you. You're starting to see Revelation in so many different forms. Let me jump to the Book of Mormon. I want to come back to the Doctrine and Covenants later, but let's do uh, several in the Book of Mormon. Let's talk about basic... Go ahead, Abby. Sorry, um, so I
1: have a lot uh, of anxiety a lot of the time, but I think it's just because I get so caught up on doing good. Is it good enough? But... So I guess it's just one of those things where um, too much is a good, thing. Not a good thing. And we'll
0: talk about that. As we go, we'll talk about that. But I think you can tell the difference between I'm putting pressure on myself and I genuinely want to be better. I want to be better. I want to be good. He has inspired me to be good. How about this one? First Nephi chapter 2, verse 16. Tell me what the Lord does to Nephi in verse 16. 1 Nephi 2, 16. What's the manifestation of the Spirit here?
1: In the things that we
0: okay, but before that, long before he believes and doesn't rebel, the Lord softened his heart. How long has he been with you if he's softened your heart? How long does it take sometimes to get into that heart and soften it? And if God has softened your heart over time, then what would you say about him? Has he been a stranger in your life? A softened heart is evidence that he has been with you constantly. Has he ever softened your heart? I'm just gonna say a softened heart. Anyone ever just say something like, no way do I serve a mission, and then over time, what happens? It didn't happen in a day, but over time, he softened my heart. Again, how long would he need to be with you in order to soften that heart? Let's do another one. if you want to testify of any of these, give an example. Please feel free to do so.
1: Um, I've been thinking about this a lot recently, um, and I, I personally had a really hard heart towards God. Um, I, I had removed my records from the church, and and just just about a year ago, I I had um, been rebaptized, and like I'm, I've been starting to hit these milestones of like, oh, I. I first met the missionaries this day, or I I texted the missionaries on this day, or I ghosted the missionaries for these two weeks, um, which I did. Um, but uh, as I've been thinking about that, I've been I've been able to reflect on on how I didn't recognize it at the time, but he he was softening my heart so that I could accept those messages, um, and and it isn't until we just have started talking about it that I've that I've realized that 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 was a, a form of Revelation. You
0: better believe it was. And not only an occasional form. It wasn't a squirt here and a little bit there. How often was he with someone in order to soften their heart? That takes considerable time, doesn't it? Has God been with you constantly? How about this one? What's the manifestation? People of King Benjamin, we know that the Spirit has spoken because he's changed us. As you look back on your life, can you see change? Sometimes you get a little embarrassed at how much you've changed, right? Oh my goodness, that was I can't believe that was me. He changes hearts. If you are a better person today, has God been with you. Now, it wasn't all you, but it wasn't Only you, sorry, I didn't, I said, it wasn't all him. I recognize that you changed, but it wasn't all you, was it? Looking back on your life, how many of you can recognize significant changes and time periods where I changed? Do you recognize his hand in your life? That he had to have been my constant companion. He changed me, he softened my heart, he changed my heart. Now, just a few examples of a temporary. I need God now for this circumstance. Let's talk about some very common scenarios that we face and they faced in the Book of Mormon. Let's do scary. Let's do danger, scary. I, my life is threatened. I'm in a dangerous situation. OK, that's a common when we face that one. Right. So we're going to turn to the, the sons of Mosiah going on a mission to the Lamanites. That was scary. Their life was threatened. So Alma chapter 17. Tell me what was the manifest of all the things that they needed in that moment for for help. Now, certainly the Lord's going to point out, hey, talk to this person and talk to that person. Missionary work requires the Lord's manifestations, divine instruction. But walking into the Lamanites, tell me what is probably the greatest thing the Lord could have done for them. Verse 12. Alma, 17, 12. In that moment, I need God. And I don't necessarily need Him to tell me what to do. I just need what? Courage. Courage. I need courage. Think back on your life, on those moments where he came to be with you, and the manifestation was courage. Can you think of how often he's been with you? Can I give you one of my examples? I served in Mexico City on my mission, one of the world's largest cities, ran into several gangs. One time we received a reference from the visitor center and those were golden because they filled out and come see me and Manny you get a reference from the visitor center you go find it so we found we found the streets are walking down the street the numbers are going down the numbers are going down we get to the edge of the street and we needed the numbers to continue to go down so I noticed that there was a little ravine and down below the num- the street continued and that's where we needed to go well carved into the cliff was a set of stairs so we climbed down the stairs we found the house had a marvelous discussion when it was over we went out and had to go to the next appointment and the only way i knew how to go was up those stairs a mexican gang had settled in on that those stairs there was about 25 of them i had a greenie i don't know how else to go where we need to go but up those stairs so we walked up the stairs. We got about halfway, and the gang kind of settled around us. And the gang leader blocked the stairs with a pipe in his hand. Now, luckily, I was, three ste- I was six foot four, and so I was three steps down, and we're looking eye to eye. That was kind of an advantage. But he's hitting his hand with a pipe, and he's saying, Let me tell you what's going to happen here, gentlemen. You are gonna give us everything that you possess, including your clothing, and we'll let you live. And all of a sudden, Heavenly Father was there. Didn't tell me what to say, just stood behind me. And I felt an outpouring of courage. I knew I would be okay. So I said to him, we are representatives of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are on our way to have a discussion about God and Christ and their plan for us. If you and your gang will come with us, then we will give you gladly everything that we possess, including our clothing. But if you will not come with us, then get out of my way. And he stepped aside. And we walked up the stairs. And I knew that Heavenly Father was standing, or whoever, whichever angel he sent, was standing there. I didn't need this. I needed this in that form. Other examples? I don't
1: have an example, but it kind of goes with. Weight what happened to you and the sons of Mosiah here so one thing that helps mm-hmm. give us courage I think as well in times that we need it is being prepared and from this scripture uh, this chapter in verses 2 and 3 of the sons of Mosiah search the scripture diligently that they might know the word of God and given much time to fasting and prayer so that way they could have the authority yep. and power of God so I think in missionary situations or maybe any situation help you know, prepare especially spiritually you know The Lord can be with us to give us that courage. So we also have to
0: be worthy. And we're going to get into the rules. We'll get into the rules of Revelation, and that'll be a great one to add to our list because there are some rules. But the manifestation from God, I know God was with me, not because He told me what to do, but He manifested Himself to my heart. Again, how many of us discount this as Revelation? Because He didn't tell me anything, but He was with me. Okay, they're scary. Should we do hard, painful, I'm hurt? We've all been through moments of pain, sorrow, and I'm struggling. What do I need in terms of revelation when I'm in pain? Turn to Mosiah chapter 24.
1: I think we all need hugs we're sad. Yep,
0: and does God spiritually hug us?
1: Yes, he
0: hugs me every day. Mosiah chapter 24. Now, tell me the setting. Mosiah 24, Alma the elder has escaped from the King Noah, and Amulon has escaped as well. Amulon is leading the Lamanites, and they are beating Alma's people up. It is ugly, and they are hurting them, and they are in pain. And I think you can apply this to any time you've ever been in pain. So let's read it. There's two here. There's two very specific manifestations of the spirit in pain. Anyone want to read? Mosiah 24. Let me write it. Mosiah 24, 13 through 15. Anyone want to read? Someone read for me. Hallie. Okay, there's one. What do I need in pain? I need a hug. I need him to wrap his arms around me. I don't need him to tell me everything's going to be okay. I need him to be with me. If Jesus in Gethsemane, remember that angel that came to comfort him? Imagine the angel had just said, hey, things are going to be okay. You'll be fine would not have brought him help. What does he need? Love. He needs someone to comfort him. And so the Spirit comforts them. All right, there's one. Keep going. Howie. Um, for I know of the covenant which ye have made unto
1: me, and I will covenant with my people and deliver them out of bondage. And I will also ease the burdens which are put upon your shoulders, that, you
0: even, that even you cannot feel them upon your back. Even while you are embodied. Okay, let's talk about this one because he's going to explain how. I will, I will ease the burden. Now, he doesn't do that by reducing the weight on my shoulders. That is not God's way. He rarely reduces the weight. The way he eases the burden is, keep going, And this will I do for you, that you may stand as witnesses.
1: Yeah, and this will I do, that you may stand as witnesses for me hereafter, and that you may know, I'm assured of you, that I, the Lord, do visit my people in their afflictions. Here we go, ready? And now it came to pass that the burdens
0: that were laid upon Alma and his brethren were made light. Yea, the Lord has strengthened them, that they could bear up their burden with ease, and made it submit cheerfully and with patience to all the will of the Lord. The way he eases the burden is how? Strengthens you to carry it, he pours out strength. One of the greatest manifestations of the spirit is he pours out strength to endure the situation. Someday Amanda's gonna tell us the stories about the parents whose children are in the NICU and they're devastated, and what does he do? How does he help them get through that? I guarantee you've seen it, right? He pours out strength and he wraps his arms around us and comforts us. You need to look back in your life and recognize how many times he has done that, that I got through the day because God was with me, strengthening me. I teach a class on the gospel and mental health and in preparing for that class, I ask so many Latter-day Saints about their experience with depression and mental health and so many Latter-day Saints will say I struggle to feel the spirit. And yet I say, well, how do you get out of bed? And they don't even realize it. What are they what are they about to tell me? Every time I ask, how do you get out of bed then? What do they say? And yet they say I'm not receiving the revelation. Just because he's not speaking here, which he is, we'll talk about that some other day. Learn to recognize the manifestation of revelation that comes simply as strength to handle the burden you've been given. My senior year in college was horrendous. I got married after my sophomore year. We had our baby. We had our first baby after my junior year. So my senior year, I'm married, my wife wants to stay home with her, so I'm working three part-time jobs, going to school full-time, paying a mortgage and supporting a family. I'm also a molecular biology major taking, a molecular human biology major, taking classes like advanced human anatomy, where we had to know every single nerve in the human body. We had a final exam and then we had a practicum The practicum consisted of 50 little stations with cadavers. And at every station, there was a little ring around a nerve. You had to identify the nerve and say, what would happen if it were severed at the point of the ring? What sensation would be lost? What what muscular ability would be lost if it were severed right there? That was our practicum. That was my senior year. I remember sitting in one of my Um, environmental biology classes, where the professor was talking about why different species have different structures. Aren't you glad we don't have a cuticle? I am so grateful that God didn't build us with cuticles. That would be so inconvenient. Our structure is bone. Now, what you need to realize about bone is it is the most expensive structure in nature. It costs us dearly because tell me about bone. Bone is a living substance, which means it moves, it changes. Every one of you have, anyone have braces on?
1: My mommy does.
0: Do you know what orthodontists do? They move teeth in the bones. They move teeth around the bones. They adjust the bones because it's living and you can manipulate it. The professor said, if you were to break your leg and put all your weight for like two months on one leg, if I were to take a cross-section of my leg at the end of that, guess what? This leg has done what? Thickened. The bone has thickened. I'm sitting there That my senior year, he's teaching this, And he says, the bone thickens to match the weight placed upon us. And I just felt him wrap his arms around me and say, you can do this. I will help you. And I just felt strength poured out upon me. Now, what would I be doing to God if I didn't acknowledge that as revelation? Would you be a little offended if you were Heavenly Father? Comfort and strength. How many times has he poured out comfort and strength? Can I give you one more example? I don't want to beat this, but I just, I got to share one more example. This comes from Elder Holland and his neighbor, Katie Lewis. Elder Holland told this story way back in the 1900s. Katie Lewis is my neighbor. Her father, Randy, is my bishop. Her mother, Melanie, is a saint, and her older brother, Jimmy, is battling leukemia. Sister Lewis recently recounted for me the unspeakable fear and grief that came to their family when Jimmy's illness was diagnosed. She spoke of the tears and the waves of sorrow that any mother would experience with a prognosis as grim as Jimmy's was. But like the faithful Latter-day Saints they are, the Lewises turned to God with urgency and with faith and with hope. They fasted and prayed, they prayed and fasted. They went again and again to the temple. One day, Sister Lewis came home from a temple session, weary and worried, feeling the impact of so many days and nights of fear being held at bay only by monumental faith. As she entered her home, four-year-old Katie ran up to her with love in her eyes and a crumpled sheaf of paper in her hands. Holding the paper out to her mother, she said enthusiastically, Mommy, do you know what these are? Sister Lewis said frankly her first impulse was to deflect Katie's zeal And to say she didn't feel like playing just then. But she thought of her children, all of her children, and the possible regret of missed opportunities and little lives that passed too swiftly. So she smiled through her sorrow and said, no, Katie, I don't know what they are. Please tell me. They're the scriptures, Katie beamed back. And do you know what they say? Sister Lewis stopped smiling gazed deeply at this little child, knelt down to her level and said, tell me, Katie, what do the scriptures say? They say, trust Jesus. And then she was gone. Now watch, ready? Sister Lewis said that as she stood back up, holding a fistful of her four-year-old scribbling, she felt near tangible arms of peace encircle her weary soul and a divine stillness calm her troubled heart. Revelation. Comfort and strength. Testimonials? Um,
1: I, I don't... I feel kind of weird sharing this because it's not directly, I mean it's like unconnected but it's not my spiritual experience, um, but I fell off a cliff um, about seven years ago, and I was in a coma for three months.
0: She fell sixty feet.
1: Yeah, it was not not little, um, but my parents obviously like this was really hard to deal with, and they. Or really struggling um, but then um, my mom said to her one day um, just like asking for strength and comfort and just trying to like what <laughs> what the heck is God doing um, and um, she looked up and saw um you know those hangers they give you at the dry cleaner? Um, it would just said hope on it, and it was really meaningful to my mom, and it gave her the strength to keep showing up. And she stayed with me always. I don't, I don't think I was ever alone at the hospital. She would leave occasionally to go shower, but, like, there was always someone else there, like my dad or my aunt. Um, and I'm so grateful that God gave my mom the comfort and strength that she needed to continue because that was not easy. Yeah,
0: comfort and strength. Thanks, Abby. Let's do another one. couple more. Let's do one that... I'm going to throw out there and you're going to, I'm afraid that you're going to take it like I never get that. And instead of even approaching it that way, I would invite you to read this one and say, oh my, I, I receive that a lot. That is a common, a common manifestation. I know you're not perfect. I know you're not ready to walk into the celestial kingdom. I'm not saying that. But because of him, you can be clean. Turn to, first, turn to Second Nephi chapter 31, verse 17. When, you, when the Spirit is in your life, when the Spirit comes into your life, tell me what the Spirit does. What will the Holy Ghost always do when he comes into your life? End of verse 31, He will cleanse. He will cleanse. We don't get cleansed once way into the future. We get cleansed constantly. He is frequently cleansing us. And you need to feel that. You need to recognize those moments where right now I am clean. Perfect? Obviously not. But right now I am clean. And I would hope you feel that frequently. You have a right to feel that frequently. The sacrament can become a tool that does that. Prayer can be a tool that does that. Honest labor in the Lord's vineyard can do that. But one of the great manifestations that God is with you is I am clean. I am not perfect. But I am clean. I hope you have felt that frequently. That I am clean. Right now, I am clean. And I think you need to recognize that as Him being with you in a mighty way. I have lots of things, lots of way. I have a long way to go, but right now with the effort I'm putting in at this sacrament table, I feel clean. James, you're smiling, tell me why.
1: This is one of the best feelings.
0: It is. I think God gives us more do-overs than you ever realize. I think if you honestly enter the temple to be married, he wipes you clean. When you partake of the sacrament worthily, he wipes you clean. He is offering so many wipe you clean moments. Recognize them. Make mental note. I am clean. I bet you anything, If you search your soul, you'll find many of those moments. I came home from my patriarchal blessing. And I knew that not only had he given me some instruction, but he had cleansed me. I came home from my endowment session, knowing I needed to improve. Having made some serious covenants, I needed to be better. But I came home knowing I was cleansed. Recognize that as revelation. It is one of the best Manifestations that God is with you. I have cleansed you. Doesn't mean you're perfect. It's not judgment day. You're, he doesn't call your election sure, but you're clean. James? I think another
1: big thing is to accept it. Yes. Because I think there's a lot of times where we beat ourselves up for the sin. Oh, that wasn't Heavenly
0: Father. He didn't say that to me. I'm not clean. Can you imagine Heavenly Father saying, You're clean, and you turn back and say, No, I'm not. And he would say, "Uh, Okay, (laughs) I thought that's something good and you wanted that. Should I just stop doing that for you? Accept it that Heavenly Father is with you. Watch for the manifestation that you're clean. Okay, a couple more. We're going to run out of time. Let's do Doctrine and Covenants. Let's go to this one, Doctrine and Covenants, 121, verse 45. I love this one because I think this is, the description of it is appropriate. 121, verse 45. Now, the setting here is, let virtue garnish your thoughts. The Holy Ghost shall be your constant companion. That's kind of the setting here. But notice, one of the things he calls out will happen when the Holy Ghost is your constant companion. Confidence will wax strong. Now, I think you've all seen a missionary leave and then come home. If you were to describe the difference between that missionary with one word, what would you say? 18 months with the Holy Ghost, 24 months with the Holy Ghost has done what to that missionary? Confidence. I am confident in me, I am confident in him, I am confident in the promises, I am confident in the Savior. How many of you have waxed confident in Christ? Now, did that happen in an instant? And is that not powerful manifestation that he's with you? that He's with you. We gotta stop. Now, we haven't even touched this list. Next week, we'll list all the ways He conveys information. How does He give you direction? And I'm hoping you're starting to feel a little overwhelmed with how many ways He speaks and I haven't noticed. I would hope that today you have a private moment with him and you say, Heavenly Father, thank you for always being there. And I'm sorry I haven't recognized it. And I'm going to do better in the future. Those of you who are members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, what were you given at your baptism? What were you given at your confirmation? A promise that he can, through your covenants, Always be with you. Now, most of you have brushed that off saying, well, he's not always doing this. Right. But that was never the intended promise, was it? I will always speak to you. Is that what the sacrament prayer says? That they may always have his spirit to speak to them. What's the promise? To be with them. He Is with you. Start to recognize. How often. Him being with you. Manifests itself in your life. Count them. Thank him. Now one more thing. Consider yourself. Worthy. Of him being with you. He wouldn't be with you if he didn't love you, he does. I bear you my testimony. He manifests himself in so many ways by simply being with you. Now come back next week and we'll talk about the ways he directs us because I need some help. In this world where in the tumult of opinions, I need his divine help. I can't get through this life. What did President Nelson say? You will not survive spiritually without both of those. Specifically, we need to talk about this one. I leave you my testimony that he is with you. May you recognize it. And the, may you recognize it and invite him being with you constantly. This is my prayer in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.